Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What do you love about music? To begin with? Everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, we've made our list and we're ready to present, ta-da, the best albums of 2009. Yes, Greg, our favorite show. And we'll be hearing some of our listeners' picks as well. You are listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to count down the best albums of 2009. Yes, Greg, critics live for their lists. We always enjoy this show. I believe we both are from the school of these are the albums, not that are politically correct or (laughs) or commercially successful or all the other critics love them, so we have to, too. These are the albums we actually love the most, that we would grab these CDs if the house was on fire, God forbid, and we'd run out into the street in our underwear with these CDs. (laughs) Absolutely right. I mean, these are the albums we actually play. It's not just like a job to listen to these records. For pleasure. Yeah, we go back. I can guarantee you that every one of these records I've gone back to countless times and every time I listen to them I go wow that's really cool I like it even more now yes that's exactly the criterion here not only the best records but our favorite records the records we actually play so now when we do these shows we generally start with a coin toss to see who gets to go first I think Greg since this is our best of show let's put our best producers our two intrepid producers Robin Lynn on one side of the coin Jason Saldana on the other it goes up in the air and you call it I'm gonna call Robin and it's Robin. No, no, it's Jason. I get to go first. I'm sorry. But Robin, we still love you as well. Greg, I'm going to start with the number six album on my list because uh, we have a little bit of overlap and it just gives us a chance to play more records. Number six on my my top five best list is Animal Collective's Meriwether Post Pavilion. Now, I got to say, these uh, Baltimore to Brooklyn transplants have had a mixed catalog to date in terms of they've been ridiculously prolific i believe this is album number eight a lot of them are meandering and kind of unfocused and they are a troublesome band live i saw them once Mm -hmm. this year early in the year when meriwether post pavilion came out it came out like second or third week of january and they were great they were very focused they played these songs this is what pet sounds would have sounded like if Brian Wilson recorded it in 2010 with digital technology. Wow. It's got that kind of swirling, orchestrated feeling, but intensely personal and emotional. I also saw them at Lollapalooza on a big stage. Here was their chance to shine. Yeah. A headlining slot, and they were awful. They were just like <laughs> bad, grateful dead imitators, but without any of the chops even that the dead have. This band is troublesome, but trust me, if you've been on the fence about them, Meriwether Post Pavilion is close to a perfect psychedelic pop record. I love it to pieces. Here is a song called Bluish by Animal Collective on Sound Opinions. (laughs) 
Oh, isn't that gorgeous, Greg? Bluish by Animal Collective from Merriweather Post Pavilion. My number six album of the year. We are both counting down our top fives on the show here today. But I have 60 in my list total. <laughs> That's going to be up online. And I know you have top 20 already up yep. online. You can go to soundopinions.org and you can link to the greater lists as well. I do like that uh, Animal Collective record as well, Jim. That's in my top 20. And uh, my number five record is in your top 10 as well. It's by Phoenix, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. <laughs> Love that album title. Uh, most people know the big singles off this record, Listomania in 1901. A lot of people think about this band as being relatively new, but they've been around for almost a decade. Kind of the avatars of that French pop renaissance beginning in the late 90s. And made three pretty good albums, but uh, erratic, up and down in terms of quality. With Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, I think they finally hit it where they've got a beginning-to-end classic. Uh, not only great pop songs, but pop songs that work together. I think this is a perfectly sequenced record. You can slap it on and listen to it and feel like you're, you're being taken on a journey. I know that's somewhat of a cliche in terms of an album, but I think in terms of the quality of the work of the individual songs to be able to put together an, an album that works this way out of it is quite an accomplishment. Funky French dudes, you know? I mean, that's <laughs> an true. oxymoron, right? You don't expect that out of these guys. But, you know, but, you know for all the, the people always think French people are, are standoffish. i got to say, of yeah, all yeah. the guests we've had on Sound Opinions yeah. this year, they were the nicest guys. <laughs> they were the nicest guys, and, and they do swing. And these songs swing, and I'm going to give you an example of it. Lasso from Phoenix's Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, my number five album for the best of the year so far.
Lasso from Phoenix, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, number five on my best albums of 2009. Good choice, Mr. Cott. As you said, that's my number four pick. But uh, before we get uh, higher on my list, I've got to do number five. It's Lily Allen, It's Not Me, It's You. I think that after 2006's uh, much-hyped debut, All Right Still and Lily Allen building a career off of all those MySpace page hits and then going on to become the number one charming brat in the British or American music scenes, you know, I think a lot of people thought Lily Allen's time in the spotlight was going to be about as long as Susan Boyle's once the novelty (laughs) wore off, okay? But she really surprised us by coming back with a second album every bit as strong as the debut and in a completely different style. Working with producer Greg Kirsten, uh, who's done a lot with Beck, you know, she abandoned that kind of jet-set, world-beat, space-age bachelor pad vibe of the first record and went straight for the dance floor. So sonically, it's a lot different, just as melodic, just as full of hooks, but also really personal. There are some wonderfully bratty songs where she both reflects on and mocks her own fans. But there's also a side of her that's deeper. She's uh, sharing more about relationships, about her place in the world, and just about everyday kind of nothingness. When you are such a great pop songwriter that you can make walking the dog, watching TV, and ordering Chinese takeout (laughs) sound like the most fascinating evening in the world, you know you got the goods. Lily Allen really has it. I'm going to play that song and tell me that this isn't brilliant dance pop. It's called Chinese by Lily Allen from It's Not Me, It's you on Sound Opinions. I see you from the sky And I wonder how long it'll take me to get home
That's Chinese from Lily Allen. It's not me, it's you, one of Jim's favorite albums of the year. Good one for me, too. Didn't make my top 20, but uh, I think an underrated album, especially after all the big splash your first album made. I think the second album probably didn't get the props it deserved, especially in the States. But, well, I uh, want to hear good the 20, 20 albums you think are better than this. <laughs> I mean, so what do you have up next? Up next is the XX debut album, self-titled, a minimalist pop classic, Mr. Dirigatis. You have to hear this album if you haven't. Young South London co-ed quartet. The key to this band is the interplay between the two vocalists, Romy Madley Croft and Oliver Sim. It's a bedroom record. It, it literally sounds like you're standing outside the bedroom door, eavesdropping on a conversation between a couple mm. at about 3 in the morning. And the whole record has this sort of hushed, minimalist tone to it. A little bit of keyboards, a drum machine, kind of heavy bass tones. And, and that bespeaks an allegiance to R&B. In fact, they made a little bit of a splash earlier this year when they covered an Aaliyah song. And uh, it spread all over the Internet, got a lot of buzz going. So here's this uh, rock band from South London with a little bit of an R&B streak. Yeah. The eroticism in the lyrics, the heavy bass lines bespeak that R&B influence. But I just love the fact that every note seems to count. There is not a wasted moment on this record. Each song, a solid little melody built around these very simple but effective elements. And I can't get enough of it. I think it's one of the best albums of the year. Here's a track from it called Crystallized from the XX on Sound Opinions.
Good stuff, Mr. Kai. You've been holding out because we haven't talked about this band, the XX, on Sound Opinions. That song crystallized from their self-titled debut. Slipped under my radar. Not ashamed to say it. How many albums come out a year? You About 100,000. I can't believe you, <laughs> I you missed it. <laughs> it's impossible. You know, the movie critics, they, they whine. Oh, there's like 500 major movies a yeah. year. It's like, yeah, welcome to the music world, please. Right. We're going to continue with our uh, choices for best albums of the year of the thousands we did listen to coming up on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. And later on, we'll get some of our listeners to play critic as well. Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis of the Sun-Times. My partner is Greg Cott of the Tribune, and this is our favorite show of the year. Literally, we are counting down our favorite top five albums each of 2009. I'm at uh, number three, Mr. Cott, and I am choosing Ultraviolet, the debut album by a Chicagoan kid sister. Now, when we have an album in our top five or top ten of the year that is by a Chicagoan, we are invariably accused of being hometown boosters. That is not the case. I mean, we hold local artists here up to the same standard as anybody. I don't care from Iceland or from Australia. And quite frankly, Melissa Young is just a talent that hip-hop has needed for the last two decades. A strong, sassy female presence that does not pander and who is really musically creative in terms of bringing in elements of the electronic dance world into her raps. You know, we heard Pro Nails coming in from the break there. That was her big breakthrough single two years ago, introduced to the world by Kanye West. He loved this track. He added to it. He put it on a mixtape. 
And everybody was waiting for two years. Melissa Young's a perfectionist. She had a vision for what this album should do musically and lyrically. She took her sweet time getting there, and it was worth the wait. This is a song called Daydreaming, another testament to her talent. Besides Kanye digging her, CeeLo Green of Gnarls Barkley adds his wonderful vocals to this song. Here it is, Daydreaming by Kid Sister on Sound Opinions. You know every time I think about you, baby It's like a movie in my head that drives me crazy I try to fight it, try to hide it, can't contain it So amazing, like I'm daydreaming That's Daydreaming from Ultraviolet Kid Sisters' new album, uh, one of Jim DeRogatis' top picks of uh, 2009, and it also made my top ten as well. A great record. She's coming uh, in, Melissa Young, to perform on the show and have a chat with us early in the new year. Jim and I are going to give you the rest of our lists later on in the show, but first let's take some calls from our listeners. Our first caller is Tina from Chicago to tell us her favorite album of 2009. Tina, you're on Sound Opinions. Hi, thanks. Tell us about your favorite album of the year. Um, I chose Passion Pits Manor because I thought that the hooks were really great. I thought it was an infectious sound, and I really liked seeing them live. That is an excellent choice. They're on, uh, they're on my expanded list. Great record. But why do you love it? Well, you know what? I think I just liked it because, for one, the songs just stick in my head, and I can't get them out for days upon days. And for two, it's songs I don't mind having in my head. They're, they're a part of that dance movement. Electro-pop is coming back, sort of an 80s sound. Were you familiar with that earlier era of music that they're referencing, or is this is kind of completely fresh to you? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, regurgitating the old, you know, synth pop, but I kind of like it. I, I feel like they could stick around and maybe freshen up the sound out there a little bit. You know, and the falsetto voice, I think it's probably a love-it-or-hate-it proposition. Hey, Tina, what do you think? <laughs> I 
agree. I think a lot of people, I heard people describe it as shrieking and annoying. <laughs> but you love it. I do like it. I, I think they're pretty fun. <laughs> it's a real exuberance. It always makes me happy whenever I hear these guys, too. Yeah, they have some pretty good energy levels. And I think, you know, I saw them live this summer, and I thought it was pretty fantastic. That's Passion Pit Manners, Tina's favorite album of 2009. Tina, thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Mr. Cott, as you know, Sound Opinions is devoted to the notion that everyone is a critic. Let's talk to another of our listeners and get her choice for the album of the year. Raina in St. Paul, Minnesota, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thank you. Tell us what your pick for album of the year is. I pick Embryonic by The Flaming Lips. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Made my top 10 through through 20. I forget exactly where it is, somewhere in the second half. But why are you loving this album? Well, I really like Pink Floyd. It's probably my favorite band. Yes. And I hear a lot of that coming through in the album. It seems that it's kind of heavy keyboard and melodic in, in the keyboard realm, um, which is a really big deal for me. I really love organs and I love keyboards. And it's a change for them, too. I mean, I don't know if you've been a fan lately, Raina, but uh, a lot of newcomers to the band are kind of shocked by this record. It's kind of a left turn for them. Although it that is. is what they were doing for the first four or five right, albums. Right, right. No, I, I agree. Um, their other albums tended to be more, well, at least their most recent ones prior to, to Embryonic seem more light and poppy and... And they were cherished by me for those reasons as well. But this one definitely took a turn for the good, in my opinion. And, and I like also its rawness. It it's kind of has like this bare bones rawness to it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a Punk Floyd record is what it is. Yeah, and, and kind of Sonic Youth. I hear a little Sonic Youth in, in the album, too. Well, Raina, give, give us one of your favorite songs. I really like the Silver Trembling Hands. Good call, Raina. Silver Trembling Hands by The Flaming Lips, a band I never have a problem putting on my top ten lists. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
Okay, Jim, let's uh, get back to counting down our top albums of 2009. My number three pick is from a band from your neck of the woods, uh, New Jersey, back home in the east. Yes. Symbols Eat Guitars, a uh, quartet with a self-released debut album, Why There Are Mountains. You know, fascinating band because they made this record with basically no money when they were teenagers. And it's really fascinating to hear because it is such an intricately constructed record. Uh, you would have expected a much bigger budget. You would have expected a much more experienced band to, to make this kind of record. They've been getting some flack because they put together a lot of indie rock styles over the last few years. They've been referencing bands like Pavement and Weezer, they're big fans of, and people have mentioned Modest Mouse. And that's all well and good, but I think what's interesting about it is that they're not just blatantly copying these bands. They're creating this uh, vivid new pastiche out of these styles. Well, I, I will have to disagree with you here because this is the first major disagreement. This wouldn't even be in my top 2,000 this year. I, I don't like this band. I, I love this band. And uh, Joe Diagostino, I think, is a young, budding auteur. He goes by Joseph Ferocious in this band. And I think that's more <laughs> fitting in some ways because there is a lot of passion in these songs. They're roller coaster rides. You've got these huge guitar crescendos and these screams that come up in the middle of the, of the songs and then they drop down to these gorgeous keyboard and trumpet laden orchestral interludes there is a, almost a progressive rock type of thing going on here a jigsaw puzzle type of approach but at the same time the melodies really stick with you i really applaud the ambition here and i think you can hear it on the very first song of the record what an opening statement from this band it's called and the hazy sea from cymbals eat guitars and my number three record of the year, Why There Are Mountains on Sound Opinions.
and the Hazy Sea from Symbols Eat Guitars. Number three on my list, Why There Are Mountains is the name of the album. What's next for you, Jim? Greg, I have Nico Case coming in at number two on my top five with Middle Cyclone, her uh, fourth solo album, although, of course, she's prolific as a member of the New Pornographers and any number of other projects. may not be polite to point out a lady's age, but, but Nico is about to be 39, and I think that at this stage in her career, where she's been much buzzed, really, for two decades, mm-hmm. it would be very easy to take her for granted. And yet, uh, on her farm in rural Vermont, this former native of Chicago and of Washington, Washington State and of Vancouver and of Tucson, I think made the strongest record of her career. Nico is is kind of a geek, you know, and in in a science way. She loves animals. She loves nature. I can just picture her (laughs) sitting and writing these songs about love while watching the Weather Channel documentaries about tornadoes for like six or eight hours at a time and then switching over to the Animal Channel and then the Killer Whale special is on. You know, killer whales and magpies and tornadoes, all these forces of nature make their appearances on Middle Cyclone. They're all wonderful. It was a treat for us to have her in the studio earlier this year. She's great live. She's great on record. Do not take Nico Case for granted because this is definitely one of the albums of the year, Middle Cyclone. I am going to play the track, I'm an Animal. Here it is by Nico Case on Sound Opinions. Nico Case with I'm an Animal from Middle Cyclone, my number two album of 2009. To check out our complete best of list or share yours, go to soundopinions.org. And to leave a comment on the air, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. You can also email us at interact at soundopinions.org or talk to us on Facebook. We're going to be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with our number one albums of 2009.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. It's getting about that time. Jim and I are running down our list. We're getting close to our number one albums of 2009. But first, let's hear from another listener, Andrew in Fort Wayne. Andrew, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Tell us your album of the year. My album of the year this year is Whorehound by The Dead Weather. Yes. We do like that record quite a bit. Uh, why do you like it? Well, uh, it's a little bit of backstory. I, uh, my musical taste always ran towards the kind of dinosaurs of British rock, the traditional Beatles, Stones, who led Zeppelin onto the Clash. And um, recently I decided I wanted to listen to some more American music. And a friend of mine gave me a White Stripes album, and I didn't really care for it. But then when I saw Shine a Light, the Rolling Stones, Martin Scorsese movie, Jack White performed with the Stones on Loving Cup, and it just blew me away. It was mm. fantastic. So I revisited his work and found that I really liked the White Stripes and the Raconteurs. So when The Dead Weather appeared on my radar this year, I picked it up, and I just fell head over heels for Alison Mossart. I think she's got a tremendous voice. I love the songwriting and uh, the sound. And from listening to that, I became interested in their groups. The Kills is Alice Mossart's group, and Dean Fertitta with uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I kind of expanded my musical listening just using the Dead Weather sort of as a touchstone and found a lot of other music that I wasn't really aware of or had never paid much attention to that I found out that I, I really, really enjoyed. It's the time-honored Pete frame, uh, <laughs> you know, tree of rock history method. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And how do you like Jack White on drums, by the way? Not really singing as much on this record. I was really surprised by that because I, I think Jack's a tremendous guitarist, and it seemed like they were really limited themselves by putting it behind the drum kit, but it comes out great. And the, one of the things that really impressed me is how much it sounds like a Jack White album. It, you know, his production yeah. is obviously involved in this because it, it sounds like a Jack White album. I just, I, I love his work. It's fantastic. Makes me wonder if he's been doing Meg's drumming for her in the studio. No, 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 no. <laughs> but he did start his career, Andrew, as a drummer in this band called Goober and the Peas. I'd heard that, but I've never heard anything by that. Well, I, given your Pete Frame follow the tree of rock history, I would just recommend not going that deep <laughs> because Goober and the Peas is one that's better left to, to the dustbin of history. Trust me. Let's play something from uh, The Dead Weather. What do you want? Hear. My favorite track on that album is probably Bone House. It's not one of the singles, but uh, but I just I just love the way Allison just rips through that song. A little bit of Bonehouse from uh, the new album Whorehound by Dead Weather. Great stuff, Andrew. Thanks for uh, being our guest on Sound Opinions. Thanks for having me on. Love the show. You're listening to Sound Opinions. Jim DeRogatis and myself, Greg Cott, we're running down our top albums of 2009. I'm up to number two, and that is the debut album from a group called Black Jacks, spelled B-L-K-J-K-S, from South Africa. The album is called After Robots. Jim, you and I have been talking a lot about this trend where Western 
indie rock bands are referencing African music. Uh, Vampire Weekend, Dirty Projectors, Yesair. Dodos. Dodos. Um, here's an African band turning the tables. They're referencing Western music and bringing it into their, into their fold. Blackjacks do not sound like any South African band you've ever heard. When people think of South African music, I think they associate it with uh, Paul Simon appropriating some of that township music. The Blackjacks are referencing the music of the shamans. When I spoke to the band, they were out in the countryside a lot in South Africa and experiencing these ceremonies where it was about breaking through to the other side, you know, mm. as, as the Doors once said. But the shamans were doing it centuries before Jim Morrison was trying to do it. And they're combining it with the influences they heard as kids. You know, watching these late-night video programs on South African television where they were seeing bands like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and Radiohead. So there's a sort of a trancey element in this music. There's a spirituality. You can hear it in some of the background vocals. You've got these psychedelic guitar solos. So you can hear this polyglot of influences on this record. And again, a band that sounds like no other from South Africa, Blackjacks, with uh, a song called Lakeside from their debut album, After Robots, on Sound Opinions. That is Blackjacks with Lakeside from their album After Robots, number two on Mr. Cott's top five list, which means, Greg, it is time for my number one Woo-hoo. drum roll. It is Ida Maria. I love Ida Maria, Fortress Round My Heart. Her debut album came out in the UK in the middle of 2008, but was not officially released here until I believe it was March or April of 2009, and that's when I caught up with it. Norwegian-born Ida Maria Berle Sievertsen 
She is Iggy Pop recruiting the Stooges <laughs> out of Ann Arbor and the Detroit suburbs in like 68. Not a conventional pop princess, okay, up there fronting this band, but a real woman. She's on stage uh, sweating, spitting, rolling on the ground, giving her all Hence the comparison to Iggy Pop, but also a little Courtney Love, but without the shtick. When Ida Maria sings about men who done her wrong or about wanting a man right now, as she does in that song, I like you so much better when you're naked, it's very real and, and it's very empowering, I think. This is the perfect antidote to the ever-narrowing world that we put female singer-songwriters into. Uh, I, I, it makes me sick. And in fact, as I look back, you know, I hate to do this sort of rock critic thing. You know, this was the year of the woman. But my, <laughs> my top ten is dominated by really unique female voices. Kid Sister and Nico Case and Lily Allen. Ida Maria is my favorite. What else can I say? Here was the song that made her a star in Europe. Finally got released in the U.S. this year. It's called Oh My God by Ida Maria from Fortress Round My Heart, my album of the year on Sound Opinions. Find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life. Oh my God is the song. Fortress Round My Heart is the album. What an extraordinary disc. And Mr. Cott, you're going to have to work really hard to top my album of the year. I am, but I am very proud to say that St. Vincent's Actor is my favorite album of 2009. You know, talk about forces of nature. Annie Clark out of Texas, now based in New York, is a guitar shredder par excellence. And she played most of the instruments on this record, an orchestral fantasia. You think of a Disney soundtrack sometimes when you're listening to it, but it's got real teeth to it as well. You've got these uh, noisy guitar interludes, and you've got these lyrics Sweet, innocent voice saying not-so-sweet-and-innocent things. A very subversive record on, on a number of levels. 
beautiful pop songs couched in these kind of noisy settings. Sometimes these noisy settings become beautiful pop songs. It's, it's like you don't really know where it's going to go. The, the surprises abound. And all due credit to her. I mean, she wrote it, she played it, she co-produced it. This is very much her project from start to finish. It's called Actor. The name of the artist is Annie Clark, but she records under St. Vincent. And here's a track from it, Marrow on Sound Opinions. My soul connects to the bone and into the iron and the marrow. I wish I had a gentle mind and a spine made up of iron. Mouth connects to the teeth and teeth to the lungs and the curses. Honey, can you reach the spine? Marrow by St. Vincent from Greg Cott's Album of the Year, Actor. A fine choice, Mr. Cott. To see our entire list, go to soundopinions.org. Meanwhile, Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Can't wait for next week, Jim, because uh, Santa Claus is coming. Our very own Santa Claus is coming to pay a visit. Yes, the Christmas spectacular courtesy of Andy Surzan, some of the weirdest, coolest Christmas music you've ever heard. Greg, as always, Sound Opinions was produced by our charming but churlish team of Jason Saldana (laughs) and Robin Lynn. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, is Tori Southside Malatia, who inexplicably is still holding to Chris Cornell's scream as Album of the Year. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. New messages. 
Hey, guys, this is uh, Zach from Austin, Texas, checking out your turkey show. A couple things. First of all, uh, I have to say that that Bruce Springsteen, queen of the supermarket that you guys played, made me throw up in my mouth a little bit while I was driving into work. about the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, let alone the Springsteen. That's worse than the Dylan Christmas album. That's worse than Mr. Tambourine Man, the William Shatner. That's worse than just about anything you can imagine. So uh, thanks for that. That was really gross. Second, uh, I got to pitch in my two cents for the biggest turkey of the year, and that would have to be Eminem's comeback album, the huge relapse piece with his you know, face done up in pills and all that. That is the biggest turkey of the year, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you just listen to the lyrics about Sarah Palin, all the dated references. Well, I can be as gentle and as smooth as a gentleman. Give me my Vanillin inhaler and two Zenadrin, and I'll invite Sarah Palin out to dinner then. Nail her, baby, say hello to my little friend. Just the worst, just the worst. Just the, the biggest waste of talent I've seen in hip-hop this year and maybe of all time. But I appreciate the show. Keep up the good work, you guys. Thanks. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Anthony from Chicago. I'm uh, calling about your interview with the Harrison Kid and the new number two. I'm just wondering, what's going on with that? Is, uh, is he on because he's Harrison's son, or is he on because he makes good music? Because I don't think it's the latter. I think he chose a good band name, the new number two, if by number two he means sh**. And uh, I'm just kind of blown away that I had to listen to two songs by these guys. Thanks for the show. Bye-bye. Chicago. Um, I love your show. I started to like plan my Saturday mornings around being able to listen to it. But I was disappointed, I guess, to hear um, the new number twos. I, I really think Donnie Harrison has a great um, talent for songwriting and for producing, but I think his voice is just not um, up to par to be a lead vocalist for a band. And um, I guess I was surprised that you didn't talk to him at all about his, his voice. Anyway, I, th- I think he is a great is a great songwriter and producer, and I, I look forward to seeing him uh, maybe moving away from the singing and moving more into a studio role. But I really appreciated hearing a bit about his upbringing and how he came to really come back around to being a musician in his, in his you know, 30s, which is, is amazing to hear. So thank you so much for the show. That was a wonderful show. And thank you, too, for um, just calling out Chris Brown. I totally agree <laughs> with your opinion of his song's and especially Famous Girl, I was horrified that he was doing so much victim-blaming. And um, it's an important thing to me that, that you guys just, you have a standard 
uh, not only of music, but also of the message that's being conveyed in the music. And I appreciate that you took the time to make that part of your review. Thanks, guys. No more messages. To give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.